We are here to share our stories, experience, and give a platform for others to talk about the no-nos. We are not medical or healthcare professionals. Anything heard here is just based from our human experience, and should you have any medical or mental health challenges, we encourage you to seek professional support. Our content isn't suitable for children, and please be aware it may be triggering. Disclaimer for this episode is this was recorded prior to shelter in place for the United States due to COVID-19. We've recorded an updated episode on grief and grieving during COVID-19 that will be airing after this. This is Chelsea. And this is Catherine. And we're we're talking talking about the no-nos. So today's episode is on grief. And Chelsea, you want to quote bomb us out with the first one? Sure. The quote for today's episode is from Vicki Harrison. That's a, like an easy last name to say. I'm pretty happy about that. Okay. We've been getting some really hard names to say lately. Sorry. So the like easy last name for the quote, I was like, oh, okay, got this. <laughs> All right. Grief is like the ocean. It comes in waves, ebbing and flowing. Sometimes the water is calm and sometimes it is overwhelming. All we can do is learn to swim. Ooh. Good. So good. Good job, Whitney, on that quote bomb. So today we have one of my closest friends, Whitney, who is going to be on the episode talking about grief. Thank you so much, Whitney, for being vulnerable and sharing on such a topic that is much needed. And there's lots of no-nos surrounding this topic. Mm -hmm. So thank you for coming on our podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. So let's just dive right into it. I have had the pleasure of growing up. So we met in high school, me and Whitney. And if I wasn't at my house, I was literally at her house. Like, (laughs) that's just how it worked. All of high school. And her dad, Tomboy, as I call him, (laughs) was like my second dad growing up in high school and it was he was this the fun house where we had friends parties and just I went on family vacations I got super sunburnt going on rafting trips with you and your dad (laughs) and your sisters so I really um got to grow up with your family and your dad and know what a wonderful dad that you have and just how much he adored and loved you girls and how much you adored and loved them so him so um with that, Whitney, tell us a little bit, tell us your dad's story with his cancer, just to give yeah, people okay. just a. Sure. So um, my dad first got diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease when I was in third grade. And so about eight-ish. And um, yeah, he was he was a single dad to the three of us. So I have two sisters, my older sister, Kyle, my younger sister, Taylor. And he was a single dad when he was when Kyle was 14, I was nine, Taylor was seven. And then the, he obviously survived <laughs> that first round of cancer. And, um, but, and I was little, I don't really remember. I just remember him like, it was like, oh, dad's sick. And then he was better. And I was like, yay, we don't have to be worried anymore. And then in sixth grade, so 11, 12-ish, um, it came back. Mm-hmm. And that was way more scary because I was older and I kind of understood more like, eek, this is bad. But I still didn't know I don't think I ever, even when I, as a young kid, I don't think I thought of it as like, oh, yikes, this might kill him. I never really thought of it like that. I just was like, oh, this is going to suck. And he got super sick, you know, chemotherapy, the whole nine yards. So then he went back into remission and then was considered, you know, cured, all that stuff. And he was great. He was good. He was healthy for years and years and years. And um, 
during those years, I mean, every life just like went on and he was just an awesome single dad, total like girl dad, like didn't, could put up with girl drama, like none other run out by pads, tampons, like no big deal. He really did. <laughs> Learn how to French braid our hair. Like he just, he was awesome. And truly like, I mean, everyone, like not everyone, plenty of people have like stories of like my dad's the best. And I, I'm kind of ready to go toe to toe with anybody on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he really was just awesome. Like coached me in soccer from the time I was four until I was 16. He was like the on the PTA. He went on every field trip. He was the safe and sober grad night chair for years, like 14 years, years after he didn't even have any kids in high school. So all around, just amazing guy and healthy. Like I said, healthy, everything was good. And then in 2009, he had mentioned, he was just like, I'm having a really hard time swallowing. Like if I couldn't, I can tell you right now, like there's cancer right here. And I was like, um, what? Like, are you going to go to the doctor about that? Like, what, what does that mean? So he went to the doctor and the doctors were just like, oh, indigestion. Like, let's just get you on this medicine. Da, da, da. Well, he was right. <laughs> and it was cancer. And it, at the beginning, it's just kind of, you know, you're getting things figured out. So they diagnosed him with esophageal cancer and um, totally unrelated. Well, at the time we thought unrelated to the Hodgkins, but then found out that the radiation he'd received in the 80s had basically like damage to his esophagus and blah 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 oh, medical yeah. stuff yeah um so that was in 2009 and then I got pregnant in let's see yeah like late 2009 I got pregnant and then it was still in that whole diagnosis phase of like figuring things out and then I was about three months pregnant and they were figuring out like it was had progressed further than they had thought originally and they were like when's your due date and I was like mid-August and they were like okay hopefully he can make it to the due date and I was like wait what like still at that point not even realizing that this was going to be like the end and so he had six months but he definitely surpassed that and he fought and fought and fought and he um he lived with that diagnosis for almost four and a half years oh, wow. so Brady was wow. three my old my son was three and a half when he died um and it was it was hard it was hard to watch him battle for all those years, it was hard to, you know, battle with him and rally around him for those years. Um, and yeah, in 2000, April of 2014 is when he passed away for 1114. That's a little, what do call that? And it's the same forwards and backwards. Oh, I, I forget the exact name, but I do know I think that you're palindrome. I think it's yeah, I think so. Which Tommy Boy was a fan of the palindrome, he wanted to name all of us Hannah because of that <laughs> no way that's awesome that's really yeah. so, i yeah, never knew that 4 11 14 which we all thought was like very cool i oh, mean that... terrible that he died but cool that it was on a date that he would love <laughs> no totally totally yeah so that's a lot that's a lot going through that so that's what started at eight years old right yes. you were about eight mm -hmm. years old until 2014 share with us just some of the things that you've learned about grief with your experience with that just kind of along the way. I know that you've had like some time to like process it more, but just kind of share with that as that journey. I love how you said in the beginning when you're a kid and you hear that you don't like necessarily think like, oh, they're going to die. You know, it's bad. It's like confusing when you're young. And then do you almost kind of feel like, oh, then you're never going to die from this. 
Yes. And well, and I think everyone's different. Like, I think that my sisters handle it differently. And I think, you know, everyone just processes in a different way. And I mm. think my way, <laughs> like the denial way, yeah. <laughs> like just, and that's just, that was essentially like one of my coping mechanisms. Like I yeah. was the kid that like, yeah, like when my parents got divorced, I did not tell any of my friends for like years. And it was like friends I'd had since elementary school. And then it was like, wait, your mom and dad don't live together. Wait, what? Like I didn't, I just, I was very much a denial kind of kid. So I was, I think I was very much denying what was happening. And I was just like going to go about my happy go lucky life and just be like, my dad's going to be okay. And I just convinced myself he was going to be okay. So So denial was your go-to method. I'm actually a fan of denial of myself. I do the same thing. I get it. (laughs) Yes. I'm quite the master. So denial was definitely what you did when you were kind of younger with it to kind of handle. How about talk about as an adult going through that grief. So yeah, like kind of leading up to, I mean, I think right when he got diagnosed, it was like this weird grieving process started, right? Like it started like this process of grief of like, nothing's going to be the same anymore. Like every interaction we have is going to be like, this could be the last time we go to this restaurant together. This could be the last time we go on this vacation together. Like it just was starting to grieve what was used to be normal. Right. Mm -hmm. So as an adult, kind of what has been your coping what how I know that like you know how has it looked different grieving as an adult versus as a child yes yeah I mean I think even just with the initial um diagnosis is just starting that grieving process right away is just grieving what used to be Mm. when things weren't all complicated with this terminal diagnosis and grieving what used to be normal and um it just yeah so it started when he was still alive and then you know, like they say, like, you think you can be prepared for it and you think you can, you know, try to imagine what it's going to be like when they're gone, but you can't, like, you're almost like your brain doesn't let you, um, fully get to what it would be like. Mm. So we, we did a lot of just truly like living it up, like truly like that Tim McGraw song. Like I got to watch him live like he was dying because he actually was, you know, like Mm. he just, he really and truly did go skydiving. He like did the extra class to go do it without having to have someone attached to him. And like, Mm. it was just, it was pretty amazing to be able to have those years with him where he just, it was awesome. So once he then died, I had all these like visions of like, it's going to be so terrible. I'm not going to be able to like leave my house or I'm going to have to take three years off of work or all these things. And then it, it happened and it was like, yeah, this is terrible. And there is this huge void in my life. And it, it, it was, it was, I mean, I don't want to minimize it at all, how terrible it was, but what I did learn and like through grief and what I've, you know, come now on this other side of it, where I'm, if we're looking at that quote bomb, I'm in a point of the ocean or, you know, this ocean of grief where it's like, I'm pretty good at swimming. Like I've, I'm on the other side of it. Like I'm not in the point of the ocean where the waves are crashing on me and I can't get up for air. Um, there's just, there's been a lot that I've learned. I've, I've just learned that grief is so different and you never know like the way each person is going to handle things differently. And just the way that me and my sisters have processed things differently, the way that people in our lives that are close to us were Mm, affected by our grief in different ways. Do you feel, sorry to interrupt you. How did you, how, yeah, how was that dynamic with your sisters, like, in the grief process? Like, were you able to, like, grieve together? Was it, 
kind of yeah. you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like did it bring you guys yeah. closer together or did it kind of separate you guys for um, a while to grief on your own no thankfully um it did nothing but like strengthen us um as just the kind of more of a unit like we had always been like Tom and the girls Tom and the girls Tom and the girls mm. and then we had to just become the girls and mm. we we did it <laughs> and like one of the things my dad told us when he was you know getting towards the end um he was just like you guys you guys are gonna do this you know like you're gonna do this without me and we were like well mm- yeah, like we're not gonna have like a weird suicide pack when you're gone. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, well, no, I know that, but like, you guys are still gonna like get together, and you're still gonna like, you know, have the grandkids that all get together, you know, your the yeah. cousins and all these mm. things. And we we're like, yes, of course, like, of course. You guys really do do a good job at that. You guys, yeah, like you we've guys really always do. had been close, but this has absolutely brought us closer together and um and and I think we all definitely grieve in different ways Mm -hmm. and and that's okay and like I think we just meet each other where we need to be met and I think that that's what I the biggest thing I've taken away from just being a person who's been in this ocean of grief for all these years is we live in a culture like the American society does not know how to grieve no doesn't know how to treat the grief the bereaved doesn't know how to deal with being the person who's grieving yeah. and everyone truly is just trying to look at it as this like okay let's hurry up and get through these like five stages of grief yeah it's and, like, like something not, to get over yeah. is right yeah exactly and yeah like I definitely I wanted to like kind of point that out too like I know that um you know your guys's listeners like a lot of them know who you guys are but I know that you guys because I know you are no strangers to loss and death mm-hmm. and grief as well like you guys are unfortunate experts in a part of this really crappy club of, you know, parent loss. And it's horrible. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, you guys can definitely chime in on like, you know, these, the, the the similarities to, I mean, I think all of our parents' deaths were different, but similar in that it's just, we're all experiencing the grief in this like world that we all live in (laughs) where everyone kind of sucks at it. Yeah. I think one of the things too, that, that's tricky is that I think we often also want to think of things as being like linear is like you do step one, step two, step three, step four. And it's not. And sometimes you go back and forth through it. And sometimes maybe you hit one, one part of something that you're going through for like a little bit and then you move into another part and it's like, feels like you're there forever or something because it is, it's just, it's so different in, um, I know for me that I I had to kind of have grace for myself and the fact of like it's okay for things to go back and forth because like you were talking about culturally we feel like it's something we're supposed to get over so it's like you do these steps in order like you get through these things so then you know whatever moving on or moving forward looks like um, and not really understanding that sometimes like you go backwards in a way but it's not like this backwards is like everything's falling apart and you're going backwards even it might feel like that even at the time but that that doesn't negate like things that you've already processed or maybe healing you've already like started going through is when you do have times where you feel like you're moving back to something that maybe you thought you already had 
not totally. not like accomplished or anything like that but you thought you were like moving into a different phase maybe for a while and then feeling like oh no like i'm i'm you know i'm really like still experiencing this other thing or and that that's all yeah. okay and that that's part of it and like you were talking about that idea of it looks different and it looks different for each individual but also looks different i think for us in different seasons of our lives as well absolutely and i think that yeah like it, it is it's like it very much just keeps evolving and like kind of like i liked that quote so much because you really do learn how to swim but just because you are you become a good swimmer doesn't mean that there's not like rough waters that like yeah that you feel like you've actually never swam before you know yeah like it just like resonated with me so much because because of that like it's just you kind of yeah like exactly like different phases of your life like when um so I had my son, Brady, who was three and a half. And my dad, just the whole time that Brady was on the planet, he was just like, I'm going to live long enough to where he remembers me. Like he has mm. to be the one who like teaches his, his, his future siblings, hopefully future cousins, whoever. He has to be the one who teaches them about their papa. And I was mm. just like, hmm, that's like a lot of pressure on my kid. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he he did and did he, he live he, up to three, it brady <laughs> yeah, like three and a half is, is young you know three yeah. and a half, like you know, i don't have a ton of memories from being three and a half but it's also you know what they say like the way that memories are constructed it's it's the way that kids are, are having memories are going to be different than ours because their entire life has been like recorded it's been yes. videos and pictures and everything right. is right there at their fingertips so like ever since Brady was tiny, he's had all these videos and all these things. Mm. So yeah, like we'll drive by a place and he'll be like, Oh, I remember we went there with Papa. And I'm like, what? Like, how does he remember that? Oh, well, cause we have a video of us there, you know? Right. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool to see that and to, and to know that my dad like kind of set out with that goal and like met that goal. And Brady does. Brady always talks about his Papa to his sister. Like it was really hard when I got pregnant with Darby and like, even just thinking about having another kid, I was like, I don't want another kid that didn't get to meet my dad. Mm, but then I was just like, yeah. well, that's what my dad, my dad didn't want that. Like he definitely didn't want, he made it very clear. Like hopefully Brady's going to have siblings and hopefully he can teach them about me, you know? Mm. So it's just, it always is changing. It's always evolving. And unfortunately over the last five years, what I've seen <laughs> a lot of is that just no one is good at it. And like, there's just yeah. so many people that say things that are totally, totally not meant to be offensive or hurtful mm -hmm. or wrong but they're just like it's just like yikes why do we all do this so bad and yeah. it's stuff that I totally did before I experienced my own you know loss and it's just it's grief is hard and it's tricky and it's work and I think the things that I would say I learned a lot of is just like kind of like we were talking about Chelsea with these different mm -hmm. like you know phases and cycles and the way it comes and it goes is just to like be okay with it. Like right. it is okay to be super angry and it's okay to just like want to like stay in your jammies all day and not leave your house and cry all day. Like all of those things are okay. You can feel angry. You can feel any emotion and just know that it's okay. And that's like yeah. what you need to do to process. And that was like, I, it was truly like, that was one of the hardest things for me was to just not question the feelings I was having mm. and to say, Okay, I guess I have to just feel it. <laughs> to just like sit like, in them. So Whitney, this is kind of a, we were talking about this uh, a couple of weeks ago where, what's that movie that we were talking Inside about? Out. Inside, Inside Out. Inside Out. Have you seen that movie, yes. Chelsea? Yes. I just saw it. It's actually a really a brilliant movie. It is. 
But this is kind of, I want you to talk about this, Whitney. So Whitney had this kind of profound moment while she was watching Inside Out, which is like a kid's movie about feelings, feelings, Mm -hmm. basically. Um, And you were talking, like, tell us about like what happened. Give us the insight on the big profound moment on Inside Out, because I think it has a lot to do with what you're saying. Yes. So kind of like, my denial (laughs) like denial was a coping mechanism and then another coping mechanism from when I was younger was to just be like happy and just oh well just all I have to do is slap a smile on and I'll be okay and everything will be fine and if I just pretend everything's happy and great and wonderful then eventually it will be and that is actually a pretty freaking rad coping mechanism like if I had to pick one (laughs) I would pick that one like I would definitely not pick like oh my coping mechanism is like being rage-filled you know, like it's actually, I'm pretty pumped. That's the one I ended up with. So <laughs> I got, like, I was, totally get that. <laughs> so it was like really hard for me when I was feeling like I didn't even know how to describe it. And like, it, I was literally like in grief counseling saying, I, I don't know how to explain this feeling. Like I literally feel, and this is coming back to another kid movie, <laughs> but like it was before Inside Out. But um, I was telling the therapist, I was like, I literally feel like all the only thing that's going to make me feel better is if I like have giant Wreck-It Ralph hands and I can just like Wreck-It Ralph an entire like building. And like, that's the only thing I want to do. I just want to break walls down. And she was like, okay, so you need to work to the anger. And I was like, oh, huh. Oh, okay. Is this anger? And she was just like, duh. (laughs) But I literally had like, I never had experienced like this anger that was like, it was like Mm. festering in me. And I didn't know how to like get it out so talking about it helped but I definitely never like broke any walls down so then but I then kinda I just kinda wish like that you did that can, I know cool. can you be wreck it roll for Halloween <laughs> <laughs> so I still just had this I, I think I was like I had to just become okay with feeling angry but I never really like mm-hmm. did anything that like induced or like helped me get through anger other than just being like don't be don't feel weird that you're angry just be okay with being angry but yeah. then more recently just this summer I was kind of going through it big time with some stuff in my life. And I had been back in therapy and we were talking a lot about this, you know, coping mechanism of like almost like like a gross amount of positivity that's like somewhat fake. <laughs> and like, that's just not sustainable. And that's your, your outside has to like match your inside or else you're going to actually like lose your mind. So we're doing all this work in therapy. And then I'm home with my daughter and she, we're watching Inside Out. And it was like the first time I'd seen it in a few years. And I'm watching this little joy character, like literally just pushing sadness aside, pushing anger aside and like trying to like control the emotions of the little girl and just be happy, just be happy. And then as the movie keeps going, she's like realizing like, oh yeah, it's actually so important to have sadness. It's actually so important to have all these other yeah. things. Mm-hmm. And she lets others like take over. And I was just like bawling, like, oh my God, like that I basically like as a young kid, like my little joy became like <laughs> psycho, like karate chopping joy. Like it was just like not a chance. Like no one else is getting near this control panel. I'm like, I'm going to keep her happy. And it's just, you got to be more balanced than that. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just been, it's been a real journey the last probably, I don't know, six months to just really focus on like, I don't have to be happy all the time. I can be angry. Mm. I can be sad. I can be all these things and still know that like, ultimately, yeah, I'm, pumped and I can be it can be grateful and I can be angry I can be grateful and I can be happy and I can also be super sad and like not again not not want to leave my house and stay in my jammies and cry all day or whatever and that like truly never like 
occurred to me until <laughs> I had been in therapy and, and then seeing like the visual of it just made it that much more like hardcore and like very yeah. overwhelming. I can so relate to what you're saying. That is like so my coping mechanism too is like everything sucks. And so I'm just going to make everything funny and whatever. Right. And I, I also I lost a, my stepdad who was like my dad from cancer too. Mm-hmm. And I kind of what you asked us early on was like, how we could relate. And I do find it helpful to like talk to other people who have lost parents to like cancer. Um, because same with, same with my story is, you know, he had, it was years and years of being diagnosed and remission and and remission and and all those kind of things. And like, um, you know, it's not like a game of who has the worst grief or anything like that, but it is like, I found it, I find it comforting to like have similar stories and like, no, like, no, I do know what it feels like to feel like, Oh, the, they survived it once so they're never gonna die and then when he did it was like i wasn't ready for that Mm. because i made it up in my head that he was like a superhero like invincible yeah because my whole you know so like i found that comforting and so i think i love that you're talking about that because i know that there's going to be people that can relate just in general to grief but like also specifically to those kind of things i always felt like that helped me and One of the things that when you were talking about that inside out, I watched it with my daughter and it's actually a really deep, profound movie. movie. Super deep. It's like profound. Yeah. And it really is. is. And um, one of the things that I don't know if you can relate to this, but because I am like more of that, like keep it in that if other people around me, like were grieving a lot more visually than me Mm. I felt like I didn't have any space to grieve like you're grieving so much that I I don't know how to explain that do you guys does that make sense to you there's not room for both there's not room for both of us so I just need to suck this up yeah and like be the one that like can like break that yeah Mm -hmm. and so like when you said like when you're talking about this I'm like that is totally how I feel and like how do you tell someone like you're grieving so much that I can't grieve yeah, you're like you're falling apart, so I'm gonna have to like keep it together. Yeah, and like I, like you said, there's no one way to grieve, and everyone grieves differently. And I just think it's so important to hear like the different perspectives of like, oh my gosh, I never thought of it that way. Like, I am not the person that's just like I don't fall apart. I don't. And well, and I think that too, like there is the kind of what you're talking about in two different ways. Is this like part again of this like culture that we live in? Is like we all think of like empathy and compassion as this like very like small amount, like a measured amount that people have to give, Yes, which is somewhat true. (laughs) Like people are often not great about giving this empathy and compassion that we all need. And when someone is like kind of doing their grief loud and proud, you're like, Oh, what? Like everyone's going to feel way worse for her because she's clearly like way more affected than me. But like, uh, sorry that I just actually don't want to cry in front of the world. Not like that, that that actually didn't happen to me. But like, I see what you're saying though, that like, we're all so afraid that we're not going to get the empathy and compassion that we feel like we actually need. And we're all like fighting for it, which is the same reason why it's like, when we're, when people are like comparing grief, it's like, like, you know, I don't want you to feel like you have to say like, oh, well, you know, it was my stepdad, but he was like a dad. It's like, you don't have to like qualify that, but we, but we have all been conditioned to do so. Right. You know? yes. mm-hmm. And like, and yes. like when someone says like, oh, my grandma died, but like, you have to be like, Oh, but she was like a mom to me. Like you can't just, and that's, and that's not wrong. I do the same mm-hmm. exact thing. Like yeah. I want to be like, well, actually, but my grandma was like better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
all of us, but all of us do that. Like all of us want to, or be like, you know, but no, she was like my best friend or she practically raised me. Like yeah. we all have these like qualifiers that go along with it because we're all so afraid that like, no one's going to like Take understand that our grief is so much more real. Or they're yes. going to think it's like, they're, it's discounted or like, they're not going to give me as much as I need because they think it was just my grandma or whatever. Yeah. And it just sucks. It sucks that we're, so we live in a, in a world like that, that we're not just able to just give. If someone's sad that their cat died, be sad for them that their cat died and tell them that you're sorry about that. Yeah. But also know that if your cat died and someone's talking about, you know, I don't know, delivering a stillborn baby, like maybe that's not the best time to bring up your cat dying. You know what I'm, I mean? Like, I'm really glad you mentioned that. I know. Because <laughs> I did. I had people at my mom's memorial service like telling me about like, oh yeah, your mom, you know, so sorry for your loss. Like, I'm having such a hard time because last week, like, my dog died. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, I, I'm not saying you're not having a hard time, but, like, this is my mom's funeral. Maybe don't try to, like, equate your dog dying to, like, right. the grief that right. I'm experiencing in this moment. You know, yeah. like, right. maybe just well, be like, I, I'm i sorry for your loss. Like, just you can it. just leave it yeah. there. You yeah. don't have right. to try to relate in a very like unrelatable kind like, of way. truly you know what I mean yes like it gets to the point where I'm like unless you actually like had my dad then like don't try to relate to me and like don't that tell me you my... know how I feel yeah only Just... two people on the planet can do that then yeah <laughs> so like yeah. the rest yeah. of you fools need to back off so and I... <laughs> you fools need to back off so <laughs> okay Mr. T listen um so with that let's talk a little bit about some of the responses that weren't awesome. So yeah, don't compare animals. Just, yeah, just stop it. Stop it with the comparison anyway. Like, yeah. don't just don't, definitely not. Any comparison is bad. Yes. Just I just say this all it. the time to people. <laughs> yeah, like just stop it. So stop with the comparison. And the uh, another one that the couple that were just they're very much like just the total the platitudes that we've all heard a million times like oh but just be so grateful for all the time that you did have i'm like what like he was 58 like no like you don't get to if he's 98 different story he's 58 years old he uh, he should have had a lot of like lot of life left don't say that and don't try to tell me to be grateful like don't tell me how i should feel about it yeah and then when people would say um oh he's just in a better place and he's no longer suffering i'm like what like okay, but that doesn't actually help me feel any better. Right. He's actually not. I'm here. suffering. And like, yeah. exactly. I'm suffering, and you know what? He would have been happy to keep on suffering. <laughs> like, yes, there was a time where he was suffering, and like I would say, the last few weeks, hundred percent, I was glad he was no longer suffering. But for the three and a half years leading up to that, he was fine. <laughs> he was what fine about, enough to like not suffer. What about God needed another angel in heaven? <laughs> <laughs> all over i like, can't even really i know now you can it. tell me what god needs like <laughs> right i mean okay, come wait. On. okay so that goes along with my other one is this is all part of god's plan like this all happened for a reason i'm like no couldn't it just actually be shitty like can, can we, we just, just not can the whole that? like things happening for a reason just can everyone just with any subject just stop saying that? Just can we just why? delete that we from need language? To, like, delete that from, how can we like permanently delete that from people? Please, can we? I don't know. We'll just try. Things happen for a reason. This is your new mission. <laughs> I know. Like we need to delete that. So 
what were some of the con the, like in the opposite what were like the kind responses like what were the ways that you felt like loved and seen through your grief from people um in those early days it's really it's horrible like you know you don't even know like who you are you're going through like you know a traumatic event and there's people that are showing up and you're just like yes like you're doing exactly what i need you to do and those are the people that are texting you and calling you and sending you cute little like pinteresty quotes and one of the things that someone did that just was i would guarantee bet my life she has no idea what a different what a huge impact it made but i was on this um when my dad died i was on a board so like a board of it was like 13 14 people serving from all different areas and blah blah blah. we got together once a month and my dad died the board got together they spent like the money from the board the board like whatever funds to send me gorgeous flowers. So then the next month I come back and I'm just like, like you, we're going through the financial report and it's like flowers for like Whitney's dead dad. So it's like kind of awkward. Like it didn't say that, but like, that's clearly how I read it. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it was just like, I, all I wanted was someone to be like, Hey, like I, and I had, of course I'd email all of them like right when I got them, sent them pictures, da da da. But then when it was there and it was in person, like no one's talking about it. And so it's this giant elephant in the room. And I'm like, well, I should clearly bring it up. But like, I, then I got all in my head, like they're not. So like, clearly they don't want me to. This is so weird. This is so awkward. So like the meeting's over. And this one girl that like, I didn't particularly care much about and like, didn't actually even like her. <laughs> she um, Thanks for she came up to me and she was like, just all she said was, hey, I'm so sorry about your dad. And I was just like, thank you. Thank yeah. you for acknowledging it. Like it yeah. just, just acknowledging that like, I am actually not the same person I was at last month's meeting. Like this, yes. this month's meeting is a whole new Whitney. And if all of you are going to pretend like nothing happened, like that actually sucks for me. Yes. And that's what was the whole time back at work. Like I come back into work and there's, you know, 40 people that work there and not one soul said anything. Like, I'm so sorry. Wow. It's like, they just were like, okay, here's your card. And like a lot of them came to the service. So that's like a different story. Like that was awesome that they came to support me. But it was just, it was so hard to just act like, okay, I guess I'm acting like that didn't happen. Like, that's freaking weird. Like, yeah. if I came back from, like, being, I don't know, having, like, a broken foot and, like, like people would be like, how are you? Are you okay? Yeah, how's your but foot? Because my, right. And, like, but my dad died, so we're just going to pretend like that didn't happen. Cool. Like, it was just really hard to feel, like, just the good things that people can do are acknowledging it, not trying to solve it, not trying to serve you some dumb platitude, and just... T acknowledging that like this sucks for you yes. you know just this sucks and and also the people that instead of saying oh my, what can I do how can I help just helping like yeah. my girlfriend was just like I'm gonna come get Brady I'm gonna take him for a play date and I was like okay thank you like I actually yes. have so many things to do today and she was just like I'll be there I'm gonna come get him and I was just like you're my hero like not making me think about it not making me come yes. up with something for her to help me with it was just like, those are the people that you're just like, thank you. I didn't even know I was hungry. And thank you for just randomly putting a random dozen bagels on my doorstep that I can now eat like all 12 of in the next 12 minutes. Awesome. That is, <laughs> when people do, that is really genius, which I am not great at this. I would be like, what do you need? To, I'm not good at this. And I admire people that are just like, I'm just going to fulfill a need. Like, I'm not going to ask. Totally. It's like, yeah, when you're in those kind of moments, you're like, I don't even know that. I don't even know how to do anything right now. I don't know how to tell you how to help me. Right. Yeah. I just right. need like someone that can just figure it out. And like, yeah. I think that is such a loving thing to do. Yeah. And, and like, I think too, like people that have been through it before, like I guarantee like each one of us, the, anyone that we are, that we're, that are part of our lives in our circle 
that they have a loss, like we're going to know what to do. We're going to know what to say. So people that have gone through it are much better than people that haven't. Sure. And guess what? Like hundred percent of us are actually going to go through this at some point. Right. So all of us need to get better at this. So like things that, yeah, like if you're eventually the one on either end of this, of the situation, it's, it doesn't need to be something huge and grandiose and you don't need to spend a ton of money. It's like, I had a, um, one of my girlfriends from high school. I hadn't talked to you since high school on my birthday. So six months after my dad died, that first birthday after he died, she messaged me on Facebook and was like, Hey, I just want to tell you, like, I don't know if this will happen to you, but like my first birthday without my dad, it was way harder for me than even his birthday, than his anniversary day, because I was used to like my very first phone call being my dad and like going out to dinner with my dad. And it was a really hard day for me. And it was like, it came like in the middle of the day and I couldn't even like shake how much. And I like, I'm a definitely like a birthday lover. Like I love my birthday (laughs) and I couldn't, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like I hate today so much. Mm. And then she sent me that message and it was like instant bawling, but in a good way, because it was just like so validating. Like anytime you can validate how someone might be feeling, even if you're wrong and even if they're grieving in a different way, take a stab at it. Like see she was just like seeing you like knowing like it's yeah. really hard to go through grief and it isn't just hard the first month it's yeah. hard right further out well in different right. areas yeah. and like someone acknowledging that like hey this was hard for me and i see you and this might be hard for you yeah. and it's taking that totally. first step too of vulnerability of saying like i see that you're hurting and i'm gonna let you see that like i have hurt as well totally. do you know what i mean and and not you're giving when you when you take that step to be vulnerable in those ways and expressing, you know, like she was expressing how she felt on her birthday, you give the person space for whatever they're feeling yes. as well. Yes. Like yes. you invite that without having to be like, tell me how you feel. Do you know what I mean? By you expressing something that you've gone through by being vulnerable, it gives the space for other people to have their own individual experience. Totally. Absolutely. So yeah, I think it's, you can show up and it doesn't need to be hard. (laughs) Like it can just be as simple as telling them that you're sorry and not trying to like compare anything that you've gone through to it. Because unless you lost that person, it's not the same as anything you've gone through. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. So what have been some of your most helpful resources? Um, at the, again, like in the very, very beginning, um, I was like, I'm very much like a deep diver. (laughs) I like to get my hands on it. Like when I was like trying to figure out how to even tell Brady, like, Hey, you know, your papa who you're obsessed with, like, he's actually going to die. Like I literally must have read, like if any random schmo had blogged about it, like I read it. (laughs) Like I was just like getting anything I could get my fingers on to like read and understand how to navigate that. So I kind of did the same after my dad. And what I ended up landing on was truly, and this sounds so dumb, but it felt like very like free therapy to just have my little, like, I definitely didn't call it a grief board. I actually don't know what I called it. I almost should have looked that up, but I just had this board that I pinned stuff to that just resonated with me. And on it Pinterest. Just, like, little, yep. Oh, sorry. On Pinterest. Yeah. Little quotes on from Pinterest that were just like, made me feel it was like, okay. Like, and they could be cheesy. They could be like freaking Winnie the Pooh quotes, whatever. If it resonated with me, it made me feel good. And then when I would get really sad, I would like pull that board up. And just read them all and be like, okay, I'm going to be okay. Oh, I feel you so, on that. I, Pinterest, mm-hmm. I feel like really could be like free therapy. I love those, like just the quotes of Pinterest. Um, and then more recently, um, I've been really, a um, couple things, like more technology. Um, I really like 
the Gratitude 365 app. Not that I think you need to focus on gratitude. I'm not saying that. But for me, (laughs) somebody who's um, joy in the Inside Out movie. Yes, like someone who really does. I actually like, I mean, it's proven to like that you can feel better, you know, just focusing on gratitude. So I really like the Gratitude 365 app, but I have the paid version and I would highly recommend it. I think it's great. And when you are in like a really dark, deep place and you're kind of just in it and you want, you wish you weren't, (laughs) it's really good at the end of your day to just say like, what are just, what are three things that were good today? Simple. Like it doesn't need to be like write a paragraph. It's literally three things. And sometimes the things that I say are like, it, it's over. <laughs> like that was the yeah. best part of my days that it did. Yeah. So I really like that. And then um, Instagram accounts I love is um, Refuge in Grief is um, the the author of um, the book. It's okay that you're not okay. Mm. And it's like a super like popular that. book that people like rave about actually like I'm a horrible person that haven't read it yet. Mm. But I think it I'll came put out it on my reading list. It's, yeah, it's really, she has a bunch of quotes from it and she has a really cool like writing course to like write your grief. Um, She's incredible. Like her Instagram is amazing. She's incredible. She has just a really cool community with that's a part of her Instagram. Her name is Megan Devine. Devine, Devine. Um, And then there's another Instagram that I really like that's called um, Modern Loss. And it also has a book. They also have a book and they do a really good job of um, just again, like that community sense where the people are commenting and just have really good insight in the comments and I really you know it just kind of makes me feel less alone and you like read someone's comment and you're like oh my god that's exactly how I feel you know absolutely I love that Instagram's kind of turning into communities of specific yes. things now too yeah. I know. that's always been really helpful for me too I love that um so to kind of wrap this up I know that grief we could talk about it f- yeah. for days and days it's and days so layered yeah but I wanted to just thank you for sharing your story and all of your insights. Um, I know that it's not easy to talk about the subject, but it's incredibly helpful for people. Mm -hmm. And I know that this is going to resonate with many, many people. So thank you so much for being willing to just share your story. It's super important and a very brave thing to do. But I wanted to end it with, tell us what dad winks are. (laughs) um I yeah I think for people that are going through it and whether you're got like super new in your grief or it's been years I think this is hopefully something that can just be a little like glimmer of hope is it's hard like when you lose someone that you love and that you're close to you just you wish they were still here and you wish there was like signs that they're all around you and I am a very 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 firm believer that if you look for the signs they'll be there and if you believe that it's your person trying to like give you that sign, then it's true. <laughs> like you don't have to prove it. You don't need science. Like you can just be like, yeah, that was definitely my dad. Like doing whatever, like from the other side to make sure that he knew I was here or sorry, that I knew he was here. Um, so with, yeah, like basically ever since our dad has been gone. Um, so his, his name was Tom. His nickname was T-Bird. And that like last week that he was on hospice and it was really hard and we had all these weird like bird things that kept happening. So we just kind of knew that like birds were going to be a thing with, um, with him being gone. Like it was just, we just were all feeling this and we all got bird tattoos like a week after he died. Yeah. So birds were like a thing. And, um, the first summer, so like about four or five months after he died, I was, um, I went to the beach with Ryan's, with my husband's parents, and it's a beach. So, like, whatever. There's clearly, like, birds and seagulls, whatever. We've gone to this beach a million times. 
and I just was feeling like very close to my dad. Like it was like truly like I could feel him there with me. And there was so many seagulls to the point where like if you did have any kind of phobia of birds, like you would definitely not be near the beach because <laughs> it was freaky, like the number of birds there was. And it just, it made me just, I was so just overcome and I was sort of crying and I was just like, oh, thankfully by myself and I needed that moment. It was just really powerful. I felt really close to him. And then I walked away. I was walking back towards the house we were staying in and I had my music on my phone and like the, the I turned my, my radio, not my radio, whatever, Pandora kind of thing on. Um, and I was on a random playlist that I did not create and it was like, you know, a station or whatever. And the Dixie Chicks landslide cover came on and that was the song that me and my dad danced to at my wedding and it's like kind of like a random song to like come on you know just randomly yeah so it just felt like that was very much so we we call them dad winks like a little wink from our dad saying like I'm here for you like I'm here and I'm with you and like you're feeling me because it's real and it's true and there's just been a lot of them like we've all had them and like that was my first one and then We've had a lot since, and my favorite one of Kyle's is she was running her first half marathon, and they, um, her and her girlfriend are running it, wrote down, like, mile one, two, three, all the way through 13, and a person's name next to each mile. So it was mile number nine. She had written my dad's name, and she, it was the San Francisco half, Nike's women's half marathon. So as you can imagine, San Francisco, tons of hills, blah, blah, blah. She's running the marathon, half marathon, and... She's on mile nine. She's on this huge hill. She feels like she's going to have to stop. She's just like, oh, this is the mile for dad. I have to do a good job. She keeps going. She looks up and there's someone like on the sidelines of the little marathon. Uh, there's like, you know, like the little people cheering people on mm-hmm. holding this giant poster that says, go Kyle. Like what? What? Like obviously yeah. it wasn't for her. She doesn't, she doesn't know them and it wasn't for her, but like the timing of it, the fact that it was on mile nine, the fact that it was my dad's mile. And then there's a sign, a literal sign <laughs> that says, go Kyle. Like what? Like so nuts, totally insane. And we've just had a lot of stuff that's just been like, you kind of can't explain it. We don't believe it's a coincidence. And I think for people that are, you know, just when you are, you're kind of looking for things that you're like, oh, are they okay? And do yeah. they, are they around? And all these things. So we call them our winks and we have, a, we've had a lot of them. Those are the ones that kind of came to mind when I was like prepping for this. And then the other like quick one is, and I'll send you a picture so you can post it on your guys's Instagram. But um, the year, one year anniversary was the first time we went back to this restaurant that my dad, it was like my dad and Brady's place. And I couldn't take Brady there. And I was like, Hey, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it today. So we took Brady and I took a picture of him and I didn't look at it until I got home. And the, per- the place was called the purple place. This is the, the restaurant they would go to. And I got home, looked at the picture, and I was like, what? There was this, like, purple, like, light refracting, like, right in front of his face that was, like, what? Like, it kind of looked like a lens flare from a camera, but, like, it wasn't because there's, it was, it was totally weird. And then that whole entire weekend, we were all together celebrating, I guess, not celebrating <laughs> the anniversary of my remembering, dad's death. Remembering, remembering, yeah. Remembering, there we go. And then... There was just every picture we would take of Brady and Sonora, my uh, niece, would have this like purple haze all over it. And then like from from then on, so for now five years, like not all the time, just randomly when like stuff that my dad should be at, there'll just be like this huge beam of light, like right in the photo. It's pretty freaking crazy. Wow. Oh, that's sweet, Whitney. Yeah. 
So I'll send you guys some of those pictures. You can see it's scientific proof. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Your own scientific proof. Uh, Thank you so much for for coming on and sharing your story. And and I'm hoping that this just helps start some good conversations for people about grieving and and just learning ways to to better support other people in our lives that are grieving around us and that that looks different and that that's okay. Um, So thank you so much for sharing with us. And you can connect with us on our Gmail at talkingaboutthenonos at gmail.com. And you can connect with us on Instagram at talkingaboutthenonos. And And as as always, always, find your safe people to talk about the nonos with.